Ayurveda starts with what you do every day. How do you get up? How does your day flow? How do you go to bed? That's the first place we start with everything. Because it doesn't matter how great that herb is, Kate. If that herb is great and you get up and have a cigarette and a scotch, it's not going to do a lot for you. Welcome to Sex, Body, and Soul. I'm Kate Roberts, founder of The Body Agency. And on this show, we talk about the marvel that is our bodies, what they can do, and what they need to thrive. Ladies out there, our time is now. Let's get to it. Ooh, I'm very excited to welcome Catherine Templeton to the show. She has devoted her life to female wellness. She's been a psychotherapist for the last 30 years. She is a master teacher in the field of drama therapy. And moreover, she is a board certified Ayurvedic practitioner. She's a podcaster. Obviously, she's a yogi. She's an ambassador to Banyan. And she recently published her book, Embodied Resilience. So thrilled to welcome Catherine to the show. Catherine Templeton is in the house. <laughs> How are you? Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Kate. I'm great. I'm glad to be here. I'm awake. I'm done my yoga. How about you? You ready to go? Oh gosh, I have not done my yoga, but in in, <laughs> in honor of Yoga International, who I love, and it's how I met you. I'll do a few stretches after our show, but you look amazing. And uh, I'm really excited to talk women's health, especially Ayurveda. We're going to talk about menopause. We're going to talk about libido. But first, Catherine, you are such a fascinating person. And mm. you've been working for 30 years, dedicating your life to women and our health. So tell us a little bit about your career, what you've been up to, mm. and why you've gone down this path. Well, uh, as most things, it's not been a straight path. I don't know about you, but my experience was I started off at one spot and wound around and here I am uh, with Ayurveda yoga, women's health and psychology, right? So I started off uh, 30 years ago as a trauma therapist at the VA hospital, working with combat veterans and then worked with sex abuse and then child abuse, all the, all the things people want to spend their day doing, right? Listening to these stories. And mm -hmm. what I felt in all of that was how fortunate I was because listening to people's stories teaches you a lot. At least it taught me a lot. Mm -hmm. And what it taught me was I wasn't taking care of myself because I would go home really stressed out from this, right? Mm, mm. And so I had to find a way to de-stress because it was causing problems with headaches, causing problems with fatigue, and so on and so forth. So I found yoga. I got curious about what, why yoga was so effective, right? Why, like why? Mm -hmm. What's the science behind it? And I found Ayurveda. So that's how I wound up here. I started putting all three of those together and supporting clients with all three of the technologies, yoga, Ayurveda, and psychology. Mm. And tell me about what happened in the coat closet and how was a coat closet? How did, how did that enter into your life? Which coat closet, Kate? The first one. <laughs> no. Oh, okay, the first one. So I was working as a psychotherapist and had been hired by the Women's Health and Wellness Clinic in uh, Connecticut, one of them. Mm -hmm. And it was a group of female physicians and APRNs and nurses. And of course, we focused on women's health from, you know, uh, menses through menopause is what it was said. And of course, working with the OBGYNs for childbirth. And the physicians would notice some symptomology that didn't seem to be indicative of the specific illness the person was coming in with, the complaint. And they'd have them walk down the hall to the psychotherapy room, right? We didn't have space for psychotherapy. So they literally cleared out a, a closet <laughs> where we stored the winter coats. 
and there were no windows. It was a little claustrophobic. And we would go mm-hmm. in uh, with the client and I would listen and start to try to understand what was happening with the brain function and with the emotions and with the hormones. Mm-hmm. And that's where I started getting educated on, on that trifecta, right? Brain mm-hmm. function, mm-hmm. hormones, what's happening with stage of life, mm-hmm. which brought me back to Ayurveda. Well, it just goes to show that mental health, especially with women, has not been taken seriously to put you in a coat closet. No, no. And, you know, with my own experience with my mother having a lot of mental health issues and, you know, having an early hysterectomy and then... Mm -hmm. I heard people saying, oh, well, she's now in menopause and that's why she's acting odd. And it's just been very misunderstood over the years, wouldn't you say? It continues to be misunderstood. I mean, when I was at the clinic, and these are really thoughtful, very well-educated, really compassionate souls, these, these, this particular group I worked with. And that's why they tried to make room to try to find a psychotherapist that could come in because they were they were understanding they weren't able to really support the client with the technologies they had in hand. But mm-hmm. they didn't know why, you know? And I think what happens is that, or what happened then, this is about 20 years ago, that we, you know, we sort of made menopause, for example, an illness. It's not an illness. It's the most natural thing in the world. And thank God it's there. Let me tell you. <laughs> you know? yeah. so, so when we pathologize normal life changes, then we can't look at it through a natural lens. Mm-hmm. And then we start treating it as an illness. And so they didn't want to do that. And that's why they, they brought in psychotherapy that was within their continuum of care. And they brought mm-hmm. in someone who had some relationship to other natural healing technologies. Mm-hmm. So I first heard the word Ayurveda only two years ago from my Mm -hmm. Indian friend, Natasha. And she told me about this sort of Indian alternative medicine. And Mm -hmm. I was fascinated. And the the first thing I thought was, oh, I want to try that. But then I thought, well, how do I do that? Where do I go? What really is it? Is it is it voodoo-y? You know, I had all mm-hmm. these these conceptions of this, you know, alternative wellness. So first of all, what is the definition of Ayurveda? Tell us what it is and how it works. Oh, well, here's the good news. Ayurveda has a very specific sort of denotation, right? Dictionary meaning. Ayur, right, means life, right? And Veda, V-E-D-A, means science or wisdom. You've heard of the Rig Veda maybe or the Arta Veda. These are all the sort of knowledge, wisdom books from the Indian tradition. And the Ayurveda is one of those Mm -hmm. books, if you will. And it's the Mm -hmm. science of longevity, of living what's called swasta. In all the Indian words kind of confuse those of us that don't speak Hindi or Sanskrit. And it feels that it's like something bad or other or mysterious. It mm. couldn't be more practical. It's not remotely mysterious, Ayurveda. You look mm-hmm. out the window and you see Ayurveda. So it's the natural science of living your life with swasta means seated in oneself. You know, mm-hmm. we're seated within ourselves. We're not trying to look for approval from the outer world. We're not trying to do something that's not organic to us. We're trying to be seated within ourselves and be able to live a life of mm-hmm. fullness and longevity. That's Ayurveda. 
Mm-hmm. Now, that conjures up notions of tea, herbs, powders, <laughs> oils. Mm-hmm. I've, I've Even when I spoke to an Ayurveda doctor, he talks about putting it in ghee or butter mm-hmm. and spreading it on your toast. <laughs> right? Yeah. Talk us through that. Okay. So when I get on an airplane, right, and mm-hmm. I'm going to fly somewhere, I open up my little bottle of oil and put it in my hand. And I put my pinky finger in and I put it in my nostrils. Now, usually people turn away from me and start reading a book, right? Occasionally, someone says to me, what are you doing? Yeah. To which I say, if you want to poop when you get off the plane, my sister, put some oil in your nose. And they're (gasps) like, okay, you're a total freak. But let me tell you, you will do this if you poop when you get off a plane, right? Yeah. Ayurveda has practical application. And because of that, it's cost-effective. You just need to kind of know the how the how-to, right? Mm, mm. And you want to be able to use it with consistency. And there are things that we understand from the Ayurvedic perspective that sort of counter the paradigm that you and I probably were raised in, in Western medicine, right? Which is, in Western medicine, we look at things in silos. You know, there's a kidney doctor, there's a heart doctor, there's a foot doctor. Ayurveda, like all holistic medicine, kind of opens up the doors and says, well, how does the organism function as a whole? Well, if I go fly up in the airplane, way up in the air, right, I'm going to be in the ether Mm -hmm. in the air, which in Ayurveda, this word vata means that which is air and ether. So I have Mm -hmm. to bring the opposite properties in to help calm that down, right? So I don't want to be dry and hard and rough when I get off the airplane and all discombobulated, maybe even have, uh, you know, problems with time zones, right? I don't want to have that. Mm -hmm. So I have to bring in the opposite properties. So I bring in wet, heavy, oily right? And so oiling in the nose and the ears on the feet, it smells good, feels good, and it helps the body be able to keep it intact. So Catherine, I think we need to develop this oil for the body agency because I will do anything Mm -hmm. to poop better and to sleep (laughs) better. So let's get ourselves some of that oil. And, you know, I've also heard that by putting some oil or even like Vaseline in your nose can help stop the germs when you're flying, especially relevant now with COVID and pandemics raging around the world. So exciting. Oh, so many things to talk about. Okay. Yeah, let's get oily and poopy. I think that's a great idea. Let's... (laughs) <laughs> Oily and poopy. All my friends know yeah. I love to talk about poop. Um, I, I honestly uh. believe that looking at your poop is a great way to know you're healthy. I feel like everything mm-hmm. comes from the gut. You know, our whole mm-hmm. well-being starts in the gut. So And hormones. And hormones, yeah. I'm dying to start with Ayurveda. Yeah, hormone health. Hormone health. Yeah, hormone health can be supported by proper digestion. And you're, you're an Ayurvedic, like you're an undercover Ayurvedist, I think, Kate, because you intuitively mm. know that gut health and digestive yeah. health is really the hub, right, of our wellness. Yeah. If I can digest yeah. my foods, my thoughts, my feelings, mm-hmm. my life experiences, then I'm going to be able to move with those intact to support me in my life. If my physical digestion is off, it's going to be hard to think, right? If your stomach doesn't feel good, it's hard to like to settle. And if you're not evacuating, if you're constipated or you're over evacuating, you have diarrhea, you're thinking about that as well. You know, our gut in our body, Western and Eastern medicine agree, is where serotonin, which is our number one mood stabilizer, is reuptic and it's brought in through the gut, not so much in the brain. And that that travels because the body remembers a whole mechanism to support brain health. So Mm. digestive health and gut health 
help you think better and feel better and digest your life better. Well, I cannot wait to get on your program, (laughs) Catherine. I mean, seriously, I am yours. Sort me out, please. (laughs) Um, What are some of the things that women come to talk to you about? Mm. Stress is a big one, right? Stress and hormones. Mm. And what are some of the things that, you know, in your wellness clinic Mm -hmm. are the common sort of things that women are struggling with? You know, it it depends on which door they come in, right? I have two doors. I have the psychotherapy door and I have the Ayurveda yoga yoga therapy door. And when people come to me and they usually cross paths, this is what I want to share with you. They cross paths. Mm -hmm. So someone comes in, maybe there's trouble in their relationship and they're feeling very overwhelmed. Maybe someone's had a loss, a, a divorce or a loss in a relationship. I get a lot of women that will come in because of relationship changes. And or I have postpartum women, so women that come in mm-hmm. because they're having issues with the myth of how they're supposed to be after having a baby. They don't all have mm-hmm. postpartum depression. Matter of fact, mm-hmm. very few do. But there's this idea of what motherhood is supposed to be, at least in the West. And of course, it's very much not that, right? When you have a baby, you're just trying to keep yourself intact. Um, yeah. So I have people come in for that. Through the Ayurveda door, women will often come in once they've already got a range of symptoms at play. You, know, you ideally want people to come in to support as a prophylactic against sort of accumulating these symptoms. You know, you want to set up lifestyle support, lean into what they're already doing and amplify that, you know, because often people are intuitive and they're doing some things in their daily lives that really do help them. But when women come in with symptoms of libido issues, you know, mm-hmm. that they're not feeling their, you know, sort of sexual, their sensual nature in the way that they had, they're feeling dull, a lot of mental dullness, brain fog. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I have people that come in because for Ayurveda because they've got things that Western medicine hasn't really been able to sort out, yeah. you know, and they're maybe seeing four or five different specialists and the specialists don't always talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And so they're trying to find someone to kind of support them as they go through sometimes those, those issues. I have people that come in, women who come in who've had hysterectomies, right? Who've had um, ovarian, some ovarian um, oblations and removals because they now are having sort of a early onset of menopausal symptoms and they're maybe 30 or 40. Mm -hmm. Um, Fertility issues people come in with. And the other thing is just general stress-related issues that are impacting sleep, evacuation, and the ability to feel steady within themselves. There's a lot of fear in our world, right? A lot of fear. And we do a lot of things to avoid it. Absolutely. Well, especially right now. I mean, I think, mm-hmm. gosh, mental health issues are through the roof. People are afraid. I mean, we are mm-hmm. somewhat coming out of it, but you know, how is it going to develop? But mm-hmm. let's talk about libido for a second and, and vaginal dryness. Mm. Yeah. You know, it seems to be like a vicious circle for women. You know, you go through mm-hmm. menopause, you gain weight, you have low libido, dry vagina. What's the Ayurveda? solution for these things? And is it is it a cream? Is it a tea? Like, what is it? <laughs> well, this is where the famous Ayurveda mantle of it depends comes in. It's not our get out of jail free card, but it really does depend. It depends on what your inherent nature is. And this is where some of those Sanskrit words come in again, like prakruti, which means what is your nature? And we have these ideas called doshas, which we don't have mm-hmm. maybe enough time to get into, but they're these sort of cover ideas of how the elements manifest within us. And this mm-hmm. is sort of the basis for Ayurvedic medicine. So there are some standard things that we can say about what happens postmenopausally for women or during perimenopause even, but it will really depend on a couple of things. 
what is your nature? Like I'm kind of a fiery person. So when I was going through, I'm through menopause. Yay. So when I was going through menopause, I'm like, yay. When I was <laughs> going through menopause, my symptomology was probably different than someone that has more of the moisture and heavy qualities of kapha. Their symptomology would be different because they already have these properties. And someone who has more vatic properties, when, when she goes through menopause, she's going to have a heightened sense of those properties because of her nature. So there's an, it depends is sort of my baseline. That's my, my preamble, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then what I can say to you is that if it was once a lush tropical paradise, your vagina, and now it's a desert, it does not have to stay a desert. And it doesn't mean you have to take, you know, hormone replacement, although that's an option for women and that's a Western mm-hmm. medicine concept. And, you know, I'm, Ayurveda is very accepting of Western medicine. It doesn't negate it. You know, if I'm having a heart attack, take me to the ER. Don't give me, you know, ashwagandha. <laughs> give that to mm-hmm. me after I've been treated for the heart attack, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But in t- working with vaginal health and with libido uh, support, there are certain herbs that Ayurveda uses that have estrogenic effects. So if that would be appropriate for that particular client, we would offer that. But Ayurveda starts with what you do every day. How do you get up? How does your day flow? How do you go to bed? That's the first place we start with everything. Because it doesn't matter how great that herb is, Kate. Mm -hmm. If that herb is great and you get up and have a cigarette and a scotch, it's not going to do a lot for you. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Like if you get up in the morning and you're not taking care of yourself, that herb is, is, and even with estrogen replacement, it's not going to do much for you. Right. So we have to really look at how do we value ourselves as mm. women? Mm. How do we give ourselves the time to take care of ourselves? It's not being selfish. It's, you know, I help me. I help everybody in my family, right? So looking at that is the first thing Ayurveda does. And then there's certainly teas that we might drink. You know, licorice root tea is a great moisturizer. It's a demulcent. It helps bring moisture mm. to the body in general. There are things we can do to um, help with supporting our libido with some of the herbs that would be useful in either tea or in an oil on the body. Mm-hmm. Any way we can get the client to do something within their normal daily activities and we amplify that is what we're looking for. At least the way I train my Ayurvedic health counselors. I train mm-hmm. them, don't try to reinvent the wheel. If the client's doing something already that's, that's on track, support it and amplify it. Because they're more likely to do that than what some Ayurvedic practitioners do, which is overwhelm the client by bringing in all these different oils and teas. And, and yeah. the person's like, where do, where do I start? Like, this is, I can't do this. I'm trying to get the kids off to school or I'm trying to get to my yeah. job or, you know, yeah. and then you're too tired to have any libido. <laughs> <laughs> um, it does feel overwhelming. It does. And, you know, this day and age when, you know, I'm making a protein smoothie. I've got my powders. I've got my collagen. I, you know, I've got so many pots of stuff. It's like a full-time job mm-hmm. um, to <laughs> yeah. really care for myself. Are there any sort of simple things that you can do? For instance, mm-hmm. I, I hear that turmeric, like put a spoonful of turmeric in your latte is really good. For, I don't know whether that's Ayurveda or if I just made that up, but <laughs> I like the taste of it. Well, yeah, there's a lot of natural things. Talk to us about that. It's like a simple guide to Ayurveda and yoga and this whole sort of cycle of self-care that you've really developed. Would there be a a simple, like talk us through a day. Let's say we are perimenopausal, okay? We're perimenopausal, which is me. I haven't got to your stage yet where I'm through it. I keep thinking I am and then, oh, no, there's another period. Yeah. 
That's exactly what perimenopause is like. You're up, you're down, you're up, yeah, you're down. Yeah, and mm-hmm, you know, I've been so mm-hmm. lucky because I don't have any of the symptoms that you're supposed to have. Mm-hmm. So, so far, so good. So let's take me. I'm perimenopausal. What okay. do I do from morning all the way through to the evening to be on top form and to have a yes. tropical paradise vagina? You promised <laughs> me that. You promised I want tropical I paradise mm-hmm, vagina. Mm-hmm, juicy, juicy, yes. juicy. Okay. Yes, yes. Talk me well, through Well, you know, we have, it's, a, it's, a, it's a baby steps to the juicy vagina, but this is how we start. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so... First of all, we want to match our circadian rhythms, right? The sun rises in the morning and then it sets and then it goes through our cycle of night. So Ayurveda is all about being able, and and this is all ancient medicine. This is, you know, what do the ancients have to work with? They have the sun and the moon, right? And Mm -hmm. we still have that. It's no different. So rising, if you can, a little bit before dawn. I usually lose the audience when I say that, Kate. So I just want to make a caveat here. So wait, are we talking... What are we talking here? 5 a.m., 6 a.m.? I mean... Well, well, here's the thing. The sun, right? It, it, it rises at different times and different seasons, correct? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to follow the seasons. And now, you know, the Lord has given us, she's given us smartphones. Oh. So we can find out when the sun rises in whatever part of the world we're in, right? Mm-hmm. So good for that. Ideally, in the Ayurvedic clock, which is this sort of beautiful um, concept that I have no original thoughts, by the way. This is just what my teachers have taught me. I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. a big sponge. Um, mm-hmm. And they generally say that a little before 6 a.m., you know, before the sun rises, when the birds are, you can almost, you know, the birds will sense the sun before us when the birds start chirping, right? So we want to get up then because that's when, that's when the world's waking up, right? That's mm-hmm. when the world wakes up. And then we'll have the time to do some things for ourselves. Because if we wait and sleep longer, right, then we don't get time to take care of ourselves. And we don't want to stress people out by self-care. Like, Mm -hmm. you don't want to, you know, stress out getting to the massage therapist. That doesn't help you, right? So getting up, and then we do some general cleansing. So there's tongue scraping, little metal tongue scraper that you can use, scraping off the goo on your tongue, which helps with digestion. Long discussion about that. But not Ooh, right now, okay. Mm-hmm. But we can talk more about that goo. Yes, and that will tell us a little bit about our digestion from yesterday. No matter what, and look at you sucking your tongue talking about it, Kate. Well, yeah, no, the idea I, I'm, a, I'm absolutely <laughs> fascinated by tongue scraping. I mean, I, oh I, yeah. I mean, this is new. But but wait, yeah. but wait. I've just got to yeah. hop on that for a second. So sure. you scrape off the tongue, goo comes mm-hmm. off, and mm-hmm. is how do you tell that something's wrong? Is it is it the color? Is it the texture? Is it the smell? Again, being a, you're like you're like undercover Ayurvedist, Kate. So here's the thing. Am, here's the secret. All right. You're yes. Right, all right. So you want to look to see is the goo this this the mucus repository right? Is it thick and heavy? If it's thick and heavy and white, you have a little extra what we call kapha or heavy wetness, and your digestion might be starting. It may not be there yet. Starting to get heavier, a little slower and duller. So we then during our day, if I see that on my tongue, I might be like, okay. I need to eat some foods that might be a little bit lighter, a little bit easier for me to digest. Maybe yesterday I had like the, you know, pizza with the extra cheese and, you know, I don't know, what, whatever, some other kind of uh, like maybe meat if I'm a meat eater or things. And if I didn't digest it well, I'll have more of this on my tongue, right? Mm-hmm. It's transitory. Mm-hmm. When it starts to build up on the tongue, you might start seeing colors. Very exciting. Uh, usually a little Ooh. yellow might come up, which is um, often what we call pitta ama. What that means is that our digestion might be running too hot, right? So it's, so if it's running too sharp, 
or hot, then we might notice like some acid reflux a little bit, maybe a little bit of a different taste in the mouth. We might have a little looser stool, a little wet, stringy, looser stool that will happen because we, our digestion is too sharp. It's going too fast for us. We see this a lot in women with stress and in men who have this fiery nature because again, what we're like is more likely to go out of balance because we have more of those properties. And if my tongue has a little bit of a brown color to the goo when it comes out, then we know that the body's a little dry. That's a vata ama. Mm. And that dryness means we have to have a little more of a demulsant in there. Okay? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you want to become a tongue expert. And here's the other really cool thing. Tongues are so cool. The oh, really yes. cool thing about the tongue is, yeah, I know, is that you want to look at it every day. Right? So when I do diagnostic work and when I teach my... <laughs> Kate's going to get her mirror out. When I teach... It's great. It's great. You can look at all kinds of parts of your body with the mirror. That's a longer discussion. Oh, oh I know. The tongue I first. Know. Yeah. It's yeah, all so yeah. good. Yeah. The 70s are coming to mind. But yeah, uh-huh. so what you do is when you look in the when you look in the mirror, you want to notice the markings on your tongue. All of us have different markings on our tongue. The tongue is actually a map to what's happening in our body. All right? Mm. So if I start to see my tongue, for example, start to have little tiny like uh, cracks in it, you know, just little cracks all over, that means that my body is having a little more excess vata or dryness, right? And so I might notice that my bones you know, might not be feeling as strong. I might feel, my muscles might feel, um, when they're dehydrated, muscles can be tense. Not just when you work out, but dehydration can cause tension in the muscles. You might notice your skin's drier. You know, just subtle Mm -hmm. things like this. It's not something significant necessarily. But if we don't notice that in our tongue, for example, we wouldn't get the information that, oh, maybe I need to do some prophylactic work. I need to do something proactively Mm. so that I don't have more dryness. Because that's when the lush genital gets to be like a desert during perimenopause. Okay. All right. So moving on. So I've scraped my tongue. What do I do next? Well, and that's the most satisfying, right? So we do that. It's easy. We get instant instant gratification. So I can usually get people to do that, right? And then I, I notice my digestion. Then I want to sit down on the toilet. You want to go to the commode. You want to try to learn, reteach yourself, just like your parents did with toilet training, to evacuate in the morning. In the morning. Now, the reason most people don't do this is we're, we're in a hurry and we, mm. we look at the commode and we don't feel like, I don't feel the urge, so I'm not going to go. But the reality is that you aren't going to feel the urge if you're moving really quickly. Mm-hmm. But if you sit down and you rest, you don't, you know, just find yourself like, I don't know, something to read or something to look at when you're YouTube, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, you know, video, right. whatever makes you happy. Just give yourself five minutes to see mm-hmm. if the body naturally loosens and begins to evacuate. And if it doesn't, that's okay. So this this is important because mm-hmm. for me, it's after the coffee in the morning. Is that okay? Yes. Can I do that? Okay. Yes. Now here's the thing. You know, it's not okay to shoot heroin. It's not okay to do certain things to your body. It's absolutely okay to have coffee. Okay. Right? There's a continuum of health, right? So we go from heroin to coffee, but then we go to like not having any stimulant and just having the body naturally have a rhythm of evacuation, okay? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So if there's nothing wrong, you're not bad, it's not shameful, you're not weak if you have coffee as a stimulant, but think about it, why? Why? I mean, you've only had three sips of coffee. Why would that make the sphincter open to evacuate? Why? Caffeine. Kate. But is it going to get in your system that fast, the caffeine, three sips? Oh, I don't know, but it works like clockwork for me. I mean, it just does. Yeah. Yeah, well, part of it is habit right? All of us, we're habitual creatures, 
right? right. We're habitual creatures. Mm-hmm. And so if I start the habit of sitting down and evacuating, it might take me three weeks for the body to be retrained, but I can retrain a habit. Just like if you've ever been a smoker, mm. you've ever smoked a cigarette, I'm not talking cannabis, but cigarettes, you're going to start to have a habit. Smoking one cigarette with a drink turns into three cigarettes, turns into having mm-hmm. them when you're not drinking, right? Mm-hmm. So we slowly build habits and we have to slowly step out of them. There's this little trick that I was taught to help the body have the effect of that. It's usually the heat of the coffee, the heat of the liquid coming into the body that's stimulating. It can be the caffeine for some people as well, depending on how sensitive you are. Like I can drink caffeine at six at night and I'll still sleep well. I'm just not super sensitive to caffeine. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's one of my my many talents. (laughs) So, but if I have water, with a little bit of lemon, lemon, you know, it's like mm-hmm. maybe six ounces of water, squeeze a half a lemon or a quarter lemon in it, drink that, it'll also stimulate the sphincter because it's a stimulant going in the body. It's a stimulant. The good news about that is that is not as drying. Coffee is very drying to the body. It has a, it has a lot of astringent and bitter qualities, which is what makes us, it speeds up the body's metabolism. That's why we like it. Hyper-focuses the brain, right? We, if we get a boon from that. Mm. So lemon is sour, which is also a stimulant, but when we put it in water, right, then we make this nice alkaline quality to the water. And alkaline, drinking that in the morning before you have your coffee, supports the plasma in your body. Because remember, you're in a water sack, Kate. This is just a water sack. Top of your head, the bottom of your feet, it's a big old water sack. You got sticks in it, you got muscles in it, you got, you know, whatever else is hanging out in your body, your tissues. So you have to rehydrate the water sack every morning when you get up, right? Your body's Mm -hmm. mostly made of water, blood and plasma. So having Mm -hmm. the alkalized water helps the alkaline of the body. And that's that's very healthy, especially for women as we age. We need Mm -hmm. to have that heavy moisture that supports our tissues and supports the brain function and supports the digestion and supports the evacuation, right? So quick question, the water in the morning with the lemon. Does it have to be hot or cold or room temperature or does it not matter? It depends, Kate. Here's back to the, it depends. You know, you're just going to be so tired of hearing me say that, but it does. If I'm more fiery in nature, I would have room temperature water. We don't, we're not big on cold in Ayurveda. It's a no ice system, which I know is really upsetting (gasps) to people, but no, hold on, just hold on. When I went to college in England, when I was 18 years old, they did not serve me ice in my Coca-Cola. So I know that the Brits understand that ice is a rarity. <laughs> so, but in America, of course, it's, you know, it comes out of our refrigerator. So the problem with ice is, and this is a whole other subject, but is that it, doesn't, it takes us longer when we drink something that's icy to get to our body temperature, right? 98.6, give or take some points, right? So having room temperature for heated people or for people that, if you don't know, have it room temperature. If you're not sure, you don't know anything about Ayurveda, you you don't know what I'm talking about, these Sanskrit words, it's like, I don't care. You want easy peasy lemon squeezy, pardon the pun, right? (laughs) Then you're going to have yourself room temperature water with a squeeze of lemon. If you're someone who has that sluggish, dull digestion, right? You saw a lot of that white on your tongue and you see it like a lot, not just once in a while, but like it's kind of your friend every morning when you tongue scrape then you might want to have your water heated up because you know that your digestion's sluggish and dull and you know heat's a stimulant. So putting a little of that in there and then you might even add in, just to make it a little more stimulating, a little slice of raw ginger. Oh. And that'll really get the metabolism going, okay? Ooh. And you want to steep it for a few minutes so the ginger can open up. And so 
do you grate the ginger into? Is that what you do? Because it's roots, You right? can grate roots, it. Roots are good for us. We like roots. Roots are great for us. Roots are great. And you have to, because it's a root though, and not a powder. Because remember, powders are just dried roots that have been ground, right? Mm-hmm. So they've already been through a process. Or in Ayurveda, we say they're already digested once, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when I put the powder in, I don't need to steep it as long. So some people, like if, if people don't have time in the morning, I don't try to get them to go to roots first. My first baby step is a powder. And then once they like that powder, then I suggest they go to the root. You know, I'm a sneaky woman. I'm a sneaky person. So sneaky. I want you to do it. You know, I want you to do it. Yeah. And once you do it and you like it, ah, now we have you. And we're going to move you into something even more healthy. And you'll buy into it. You'll be like, oh, yeah, I'll give it the time to scrape the root and put it in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've already seen how well the powder works. All right. Let me throw this one at you. Apple okay. cider vinegar, which is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> are, we, are we supposed to be doing that as well? Well, that's not an Ayurvedic concept. Back in yesteryear, you know, thousands of years ago, it, remember, Ayurvedic medicine is the indigenous medicine of the continent of India. And so, you know, the scholars, the Ayurvedic scholars say between 5,000, 7,000 years old, that's you know, there's no apple cider vinegar around, my sister. It's not happening. No. There's lots of vinegars, which is just means it's fermented. Vinegar just means something's fermented, right? It's mm-hmm. been sitting, you know, pickles have been sitting in vinegar and they've fermented. Um, yogurt is fermented. There's lots of fermented foods, and we're big on fermented foods. As a matter of fact, that's how the ancients cooked things sometimes, right? They fermented them. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a fire mm-hmm. and you have fermentation. Mm-hmm. So the idea of having a fermented stimulant is appropriate in the morning for my Ayurveda if I have that sluggish, heavy, dull um, agni or digestive yeah. fire. But if I have hot digestive fire and I add fermented food, what do you think is going to happen? Hot plus hot equals? Hot. <laughs> Hotter. Really damn hot. Super damn hot, yeah. right? And what's that going to do to me? It might give me a little rosacea over the course of time. Over the course yeah. of time. Remember, all of these things happen like nature with repetition over the course of time. There's no quick fixes in Ayurveda and you didn't get sick quickly unless a pathogen came in and then you, you know, expired it out. So Mm -hmm. we develop our symptoms, our our problems in our digestion and in our thinking and in our, our evacuations with repetition over the course of time. Every morning that I got up and looked at the toilet and thought, not right now, I got to get, you know, I get my mascara on, mm, got to get out mm, the door, right? Mm. I'm Southern. We use a lot of mascara. It's a big thing. So, you know, if I do that and I do that over the course of time with repetition, then I'm going to learn the habit of not evacuating in the morning. And if I learn sipping that coffee over the course of time with repetition gets me to evacuate when I get to work, I'm all set, yeah. right? I've okay. found my way to do it. So very quick question. If we're getting yeah. up at before dawn and the birds are tweeting yeah. and your child is yeah. still in a sleep coma. Oh, God willing. Right? Oh, my child sleeps like this. No, sorry, I'm bragging, but it's good. <laughs> uh, so I can, yeah. be, I, can, I can probably get two hours in in the morning of this self-care Excellent. stuff. So mm. here's the question. To be up at dawn, what time do you recommend going to bed the night before? I'm just going to say before I before we go to that, that there are about nine or 10 different choices of things you can do from an Ayurvedic perspective. They're quick, easy, cost-effective in the morning mm-hmm. to set mm-hmm. you up with good self-care, both cleansing and nourishing. All right, we just went mm-hmm. over two. So we'll, we'll leave that. And then through your day, the idea in Ayurveda is you have the same amount of energy in the morning 
as you do all day long. So that's very unusual for a lot of us because mm-hmm. of our diets, because mm-hmm. of our blood sugars, because of uh, the intake of certain foods that maybe waste our energy mm-hmm. and maybe doing things at the wrong time of day. And what we mean by wrong is when our body isn't best suited to it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So eating a big meal in the middle of the day when your digestion's at its highest because the sun is at its highest and Ayurveda follows nature. You know, back in the day, like even a hundred years ago, when the farmers came in from the fields because the animals were going to rest, it was too hot to work. The family would have a big dinner. We didn't call it lunch. It was dinner. It was a big, big meal. And then we'd go out and do our afternoon chores and we'd come in and we'd have supper, which is a supplemental meal. Ah. So now in, yeah, right. So Mm -hmm. that just, all the restaurant people want me to be quiet now because, (laughs) you know, because we often go out and we... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know, man. I'm so sorry. It's date day, right? date day. Um, But, you know, most of us, you know, have our big meal at night. You know, my kids were big athletes. So, you know, they'd have practices or games. We often didn't get to eat till like seven o'clock, eight o'clock at night. Well, if I have a big meal at the end of the day, all of my energy is going to my stomach to digest, right? Remember, finite amount of energy from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. You know, I, that's all I can spend is what's in here. Mm-hmm. So all of it's going to go to my digestion, which isn't going to prepare me for sleep. So we know when people come into to the center, whether it's for psychiatry or it's for Ayurveda and yoga, we, we always check, when do you do things like wake and sleep? What is your, what is your eating cycle? You know, what are you doing for self-care? What are, you, what are you doing to cleanse the body on a daily level? That's just so you kind of have a bird's eye view of that's what we're looking to find out about. Because if we can reset some of those dials and they can practice them with repetition over the course of time, we can see habits change and people will start seeing naturally certain things will start to clear up. Things that aren't entrenched, things that aren't related to pathogens. So the sun goes down, right? And back in the day, again, not that long ago, before Thomas Edison and his uh, famous experiments, we didn't have uh, electricity. We'd have candlelight, mm-hmm. right? Which I try to do all the time because, you know, it just makes everything look pretty. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's very sweet. So I may not go out to dinner for date night, but I have myself some candlelight, right? Mm-hmm. You know, candlelight, firelight. We couldn't stay up that late because we had to get up so early to do our chores in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. Back in the day. And there wasn't this excessive light, which made our eyes and our brain think it's daytime. So when I'm in my house at night and I have all the lights on, the way I take in information is through my sense organs, right? And my eyes are seeing all this bright light. They're not remembering. They're not sensing the fatigue because I'm, I'm stimulated. But if I have less light, right, and I have eaten my supper earlier, maybe six-ish, you know, mm-hmm. if you want to do that, mm-hmm. then... I have the ability to start to feel fatigue. You know, you have to feel the fatigue. Mm -hmm. And then I will start to slowly make my way to sleep, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So sleep issues, the number one thing that I uh, hear from, uh, no matter where the person comes in, which door, is they aren't getting good quality sleep. Either they can't get to sleep or they can't stay to sleep, or they have the combo platter, mm-hmm. they can't get to sleep and stay asleep. Mm. Um, and so we start addressing it through circadian rhythms and through um, eating cycles in Ayurveda. And, in, and truly, truth be told, Western psychiatry, we kind of do the same thing. We just aren't as explicit about it. You know, we call it sleep hygiene in, in Western med. And we just call it a nighty-night ritual in Ayurveda. It's just a little mm. different terminology. So we want to go to sleep, ideally, according to this Ayurvedic clock, you know, which um, got a lot of a lot of information about that. We'll we'll have it to share on the body agency as well. But the Ayurvedic clock 
um, tells us that we want to start to go to sleep around 10 o'clock at night, ideally, 9 to 11. Let's give you that range, right? Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? That doesn't mean that you, you know, finish the phone call with whoever and then go scroll through the black shoes available at the TJ Maxx website or whatever it is, right? (laughs) I know. Love my shoes. I know, man. It's a daytime (laughs) thing, you know? So do that as you're getting drowsy, you know? And there's lots to say about screens, but that's another conversation. But we want to try to get to sleep. So we have to start getting ready for sleep about a half hour to an hour before we want to be asleep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that means the things that you do for your daily hygiene, brushing your teeth, you know, maybe mm-hmm. oiling your gums, something else we do in Ayurveda to kind of for gum mm-hmm. health. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe putting the feet up with some nice aromatic oil, maybe some um, you know sesame lavender oil on the on the feet, doing legs up the wall, Vipparita Karani for your yogis out there. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe listening to some melodic sounds. You know, Handel water music it doesn't have to be Indian. You know, music whatever is a melodic sort of soothing and calming to the nervous system. We want to engage all the senses, you know, in a very simple way, smell, sight, sound, taste, touch. Mm. We have a nighty night drink, a little nighty night elixir, hot milk like your grandmother would want you to have, you know, with a little nutmeg. Nutmeg is, yeah, nutmeg is the sleep sedative. It's actually a, it's actually an addictive herb. Ooh. There's, yeah, I know. It's, It's kind of sexy, yeah. Everything is pointing to the signs that having those three glasses of Pinot Grigio is not what we should be doing. <laughs> well, are you gonna, okay? Now listen, I'm not going to dash that, Kate. Are you are you taking no. that away from me? <laughs> no, no. Ayurveda never says no. It says how and when. This is why I became an Ayurvedist. Are you kidding me? I had three kids I raised by myself. I am definitely into supporting my mental health and wellness with supplements coffee and wine. But here's the thing. I have to know when to take them to get the biggest benefit and not to then suppress other natural actions of the body. Mm, And mm. you know, that's that repetition over the course of time, right? So when people come in, we always ask whether again, psychiatry, Ayurveda, we ask, how are you self-medicating? Just just I know you are. Let's talk about how you're doing it. Like no shame allowed here, right? Um, well I have a glass of wine and I usually do this. What what kind of glass? What, <laughs> you know, is it a bottle and a straw? You know, is it a demitasse? Like what, you know, and so we, we sort of talk about that because, you know, in many cultures, wine is a digestive support, right? Mm-hmm. Wine is a fermented food, remember? Fermentation is a stimulant. So, you know, there's a reason uh, that in many cultures it's called fire water, right? It's hot. So if I'm having something to eat with my supper at six, it might be a great time to have a glass of wine, right? you know, and maybe have it in a, in a way to digest. Yeah. Let me ask you that. And this, sadly, this is our, my last question because we are now okay. over time. I could talk to you for <laughs> weeks, Catherine. <laughs> so spirits, right? Also fermented, mm-hmm. vodka, yes. scotch, mm-hmm. uh, tequila. All the things. So mm-hmm. is it only wine we can have or can we have spirits as well? Of course you can have spirits, anything fermented. But remember, things that are fermented are heating and they're fermented, they have different potencies, right? If you go to the brewery, you know, here in my hometown, there's a couple of breweries, like (laughs) tells you what we do for fun here, right? So, you know, you go to the brewery and it says, you know, this beer has this percent of alcohol. The alcohol, right, is the product of the fermentation. Mm -hmm. So we want to look at what the alcohol content is, what we're taking. Mm-hmm. And that will let you know the level of fermentation and the amount you would want to have for it to be a digestive aid versus something that could overheat you. And what happens 
as in all things in our body, when we get overstimulated, when the adrenals turn on and we get overstimulated, right? What happens secondarily? The body's bathed in cortisol, right? And that doesn't help us. So drinking a little bit, you know, a little bit less of the vodka at dinner because you don't need as much. It has a much higher alcohol content than a glass of wine, depending on the wine you're taking. Then I would want to understand how much to have for it to be healthy versus having it in a way that's going to create a problem with self-medication that with habit over the course of time and certain biologies mm-hmm. could create an alcohol consumption issue, right? Mm-hmm. Or dependency. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So see, there's a wide arc here. That's why that one size doesn't fit all in Ayurveda, even with intermittent yeah. fasting. One size doesn't fit all. Some people it might be great for, other people it might really be a problem for the digestion. Mm-hmm. So a lot to say about that. Well, there are so many things that we still have to talk about. So you're just going to have to come back on the show, Catherine. I am oh, love so excited to work with you, with the Body Agency, and developing some products with you. We'd love to do mm-hmm. that. And for all of our listeners out there, I know that you want to book a session with Catherine, and you can also do that through <laughs> the Body Agency and all of her counselors. So, Catherine, thank you so much for this. Uh, Again, I have a thousand more questions. Uh, I've learned to scrape my tongue. I've learned to have some water with lemon and some little bit of ginger in there. Maybe throw some turmeric in. Um, (laughs) You and your turmeric. (laughs) No, I know. I'm obsessed with it. I'm obsessed. And as as you can see, I'm a little bit of a a closeted, how do you call it? Ayurvedic? You're an Ayurvedist. Well, I call my female uh, consultants Ayurvedettes. That's what I call them. So. Ooh, Ayurvedettes. Uh, I want to yeah. be an Ayurvedette. Yeah. Well, Catherine, yeah, you already are, Kate. Don't you worry. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for all of this, all your guidance. I look forward to having you back on the show. And you are a marvel. So the world, the world of women, we are all very lucky to have you. So thank you. Well, thank you, Kate. Take good care. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Sex, Body, and Soul. Remember, you can find all of my favorite products and resources to support your health and sexual wellness through my one-stop shop, The Body Agency. Be sure to sign up for our email list at thebodyagency.com for the latest curated recommendations from our industry experts. Thanks for listening.